for the second time. This is episode 93 of Crypto Weekly. Each of the last five terrorist attacks in the UK have all occurred within two weeks of a general election. Think of that how you will, listener. This week in the news. An Ethereum researcher is jailed for travelling to North Korea and talking to them about the Ethereum network. German banks can hold crypto from next year. And the South African Central Bank does not want anybody sending their precious rands outside the country without them knowing. All this and more on this week's Crypto Weekly. If you enjoy the show, head on over to patreon.com slash crypto weekly and maybe sign up for one of the tiers to ensure that you get your podcast at least... <laughs> go on, go on. Oh, Jesus Ages Christ. before yes. everyone else. At least one week before everyone else. Apologies, listener. I blame it on the fact that I've had a lot of work to do. You've heard many of them already. We are joined in the studio by Mr. Bitcoin Buble. Good evening, Ken. What are you supping on, friend? Uh, I'm on a beautiful dead pony club, as always. Fantastic. Dr. P. Money. Howdy. On the tiny mic today. Yeah, um, I've been relegated because um, I still haven't finished setting up my living room for recording. I just hope you don't feel emasculated with that tiny microphone. It's all right. Because I don't think any less of you Um, with you using that. Well, it's it's like uh, people with Ferraris and stuff, right? I've got a tiny mic because I have no issue. Uh, You've got a huge one. You're suggesting I have a tiny penis. Yes, Yes. exactly. Thank you, friend. Uh, Mr. Crypto Beak, you've got the biggest mic of all of us. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Ken, I guess. (laughs) Uh, the Geordie Prince could not be with us. He is unfortunately under the weather, presumably from going a bit too hard over the first couple of days of December, if you know what I mean. <laughs> we'll leave that one swiftly, though. It's time to get started with the news. <laughs> the biggest news this week comes out of North Korea. An American Ethereum researcher has travelled to North Korea and upon his return, been arrested for aiding a foreign government because he spoke about Ethereum while in North Korea. Okay, so who did he speak to in North Korea? The government? Yeah. Oh, he was actually presenting to Mr... Maybe not the main man, but some of his cronies, yeah. Okay. About the benefits of Ethereum. Well, he went to the Pyongyang blockchain and cryptocurrency conference but critically he did ask the us if he could go first right but they said no and he went anyway Hmm. why did he ask then uh not sure but what the us attorney said was (laughs) as alleged virgil griffith most insult name ever great name provided highly technical information to north korea knowing that this information could be used to help north korea launder money and evade sanctions In allegedly doing so, Griffith jeopardised the sanctions that both Congress and the President have enacted to place maximum pressure on North Korea's dangerous regime. So they're basically saying that he went to North Korea, he taught them how to use Ethereum, which could be used to get around sanctions. So he's putting money in the pocket of North Korea's uh, regime. Right. And Big V, a.k.a. Vitalik, a.k.a. Money Skelly, has weighed in on this with his hefty, hefty weight in the space. Uh, On Virgil's side, 
as you may not be surprised to hear. Well, broadly on his side. So he said that wasn't anything to the Ethereum Foundation. They didn't endorse it. The guy went of his own accord and independently. Vitalik said something about how he spoke a bit about how the all the information he was given was public. He didn't give him any secret advanced hacker tips. And he also made a classic Vitalik statement, just like, oh, bridging the gap between different countries is good or whatever. But yeah, basically Vitalik just said that what is available, what he told them or the information he gave is already available anyway and not a big deal. But that hasn't gone down that much of a storm with the DOJ. Uh, he has hired Brian Klein, who's some big shot crypto lawyer who's defending all kinds of people uh, against various crypto cases. And they've gotten out of jail, but he's still got to go to court to answer for these charges. So did he go and just talk about open source software? To not This was or- Vitalik's uh, suggestion, was that it can't be that bad because it's all open source. He told them about smart contracts, about blockchain, mining and staking. Yeah. These are some of the things that DOJ claim that he... If North Korea want to learn about that, they can just listen to our podcast. We're not as much of an expert in that subject as maybe... Virgin Griffith. Yeah. Yeah. We actually don't have any listeners in North Korea. Damn it! We have checked, haven't we? What do you think about this P-Money? As far as someone being arrested for going to speak in another country, admittedly another country that does a lot of bad things. I think him asking and being told no is where I'm like, well, fuck him. Because they said no, he did it anyway. What was he expecting to happen? Mm. What? However... What permission do you need? Like, why do you need permission? Well, so I guess it it could be perceived as trading with them. In some way, and right? There's some sort of sanctions that they've so, got. So you're not allowed to trade with North Korea. Yeah. Um, my assumption was that he just went over to sort of advocate for Ethereum. And actually, North Korea are quite a big player in crypto. And if they're providing hashing power, it makes sense for a, a proof of work coin to go over and advocate for a particular coin over another, getting them excited about Ethereum. Yeah, I don't think so. Big Virgil is like, a, I think he's interested in crypto as a whole. Hmm. I think he's worked with EOS or done some other stuff for EOS, I think. But so I don't think he was evangelizing Ethereum. Uh, but I think it's interesting because a lot of the Bitcoin guys who were like down with governments, all that kind of cyberpunk stuff, they were slating him and Ethereum for dealing with terrorists or whatever. So you're a man usually who's about openness, everyone getting along, everyone doing what they want, open trade of information. And that seems to be usually what the Bitcoin maximalists are about. But because it's come to Ethereum, they jumped on it as a reason that Ethereum was going to go to zero. Which I think is pretty laughable for people who want to bring down the traditional governments and banks, etc. Thoughts? Two main thoughts. One, I don't know why he did it. Like, what, well, I was about to ask this. What was did in he it get for him? paid? That, and that's it. So Vitalik said that he had there was no personal gain for Virgil. And we were, I would assume that if he's... Pretty serious guy in the Ethereum Foundation. He's probably got a load of fucking money. If he's had Ethereum for five years or yeah. even three years, he's going to be super rich. And Vitalik claimed he had no personal gain. And I would imagine if he was just doing it, if he was doing it to profit, they really would have had to pay him a lot of money. 
to get some brainiac like him over there and to ignore what the US government basically told him. So it seems like it probably wasn't for that reason. Maybe it's some kind of his moral reason or maybe he just wanted to, uh, he thought it would help cryptocurrency or blockchain or something. I guess this is a wider discussion about if there's no personal gain in him doing it, I don't think he would have done it because he's risking going to jail to educate a, a dictatorship who are brutal. And I think yeah. regardless of what you think of North Korea, there is evidence to suggest that they are brutal to their own people. Now, does he see it as his philanthropic kind of effort to teach them about Ethereum that will in some way help the population? He can't be that deluded, surely. Right. I think a lot of them are pretty deluded. But for his part, he said he was going on... I think he said he was going on vacation. It was a personal... North Korea. Uh, that must be yeah. relaxing. <laughs> a personal vacation. But... I can't, yeah, I can see your point that if he'd have gone and educated the Taliban on cryptocurrency, it probably would have gone down pretty poorly with public opinion, as well as, obviously, the government. So, it, was, it wasn't the smartest move by that guy, really, was yeah. it? Uh, he's out, he's not in jail at the moment, he was in jail, he's out, awaiting trial, and if it goes poorly for him, he could probably get a load of time, I would imagine. I don't think I, I actually don't think he'll end up doing any significant penalty as a result of that. Well, yeah, he's probably rich enough to. Yeah. What if he'd not asked? Yeah. What if he just? So won? for the record, I don't really know what he how asked he asked. Who did you just, ring? Exactly. So in their official statement, I think it was a statement by the FBI or the Department of Justice, but they said he had been uh, denied permission. Oh, it was probably so a visa application. Oh uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> can I go to North Korea? She said no, and then he was like, "Fuck it, I'm going anyway." Yeah. yeah. We done with this story? Should we kick it to the curb? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Perfection. This is a this is a brutal dictatorship. Come on, tell us what we're doing. I like this new style crypto weekly. <laughs> From one socialist country to one only slightly less socialist, we have German <laughs> banks now able to hold crypto. From 2020. What does this mean, big guys? What are the implications? Uh, the banks, effective January 1st, 2020, are apparently going to be allowed to hold crypto and sell crypto to consumers. So, up until now, they've had to have crypto held with third party custodians. Basically, people who have a license to hold crypto, banks couldn't get that license. Now they will be able to, and people basically think that it will mean that German banks can offer crypto or crypto products to your everyday guy in the street. You know, hands in the street can now get a bit of crypto if he wants. Uh, <laughs> and, as you said, there's negative interest rates in Germany at the moment. 23% of, apparently, according to some recent report. 23% of banks are giving their retail customers negative interest rates and over half are doing the same for corporate deposits. So you have to pay them to give them money and let them hold it. Why wouldn't you just put it under your mattress? Don't know. Because that would be more profitable, right? Yes. Slightly riskier, I guess. Yeah. Well, who knows? Good point. Well, Deutsche Bank, etc. Interest and inflation, they're not 
connected, right? They can have a negative interest rate and a deflationary, uh, sorry, an inflation of the currency, right? Uh, I I think that's possible, but I think it's unlikely. Right. It's, I'm just just because the, your average consumer, if it's passed on to your consumers, they'll have less money to spend. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's unlikely to create more inflation, probably. So with a negative interest rate, um, do I get paid to borrow? Uh, I think <laughs> I think the banks are getting paid to borrow effectively. Right. Okay. I don't think they if I don't think they'll pass that on. Okay. At this point in time, but we, I guess theoretically, if they had a a big enough negative interest rate, then you could get paid to borrow. Yeah. If you were, if you lived in Denmark, you could get a negative interest rate mortgage. It's fucking gnarly. But yeah, so that's the point that I was going to talk about. Obviously, we need the prince here to really go through this. But it seems to me that if your option is either holding money in the bank, which you are rather gaining interest, you're getting charged for having in the bank, or holding crypto, becomes an interesting proposition. Not that obviously everyone will immediately put all the money into crypto, but it does seem to me like it might make crypto more appealing to your average person. Thoughts? But how are these banks not going out of business? Because consumers are, are being disincentivized to put their money in, into, into an account. Therefore, why would you put your money into an account that has a negative interest rate when you could just hold it and, and not have it applied? Um. So then why are people still depositing into banks? And if then people aren't depositing into banks, how does this not end up with the banks not having anything to work with to make money? Because they make money from money. I think banks presumably will be less profitable or could be less profitable. But after Googling, because we don't have the prints here to explain it to us, yeah. they're designed to, number one, get banks lending. Number two, bring about a reduction in interest, real interest rates. Number three, negative rates are partly designed to cause an outflow of quote-unquote hot money, thereby depreciating the exchange rate. And number four, the main aim of negative rates is to lower the risks to output profits, employment, and wages from deflate deflation. Right. So I would guess it's like uh, you know the central banks are charging negative interest rates to the banks and they're passing them on to consumers. So I guess it's trying to make people spend the money yeah. As opposed to hoard the money in investments or things like that. You don't want to hold it in a bank, as you say. So I guess that would cause money to be outflowed, people like the economy to yeah. be stimulated. I guess that's the reason. I mean, it's. I think we need the prints on next week to really give us the proper reason. But I think in this case, as relates to crypto, if you've got the option of holding it in cash and paying a load of money or paying money for the bank to have your money, Everything seems like a pretty good option apart from that. Crypto being one of them potentially could be a positive for crypto, especially if the banks are shilling it. And that is one of the major worries, apparently. People who are criticising German banks from being able to... You know, this policy basically allows German banks to be able to sell crypto to consumers and hold crypto. They're saying that the banks could potentially be pitching it, shilling it to their consumers, taking a cut getting everyone invested in shit coins, not that great of a look. And let's hope that's exactly what they do. So I actually think this might backfire. I'm basing this purely on what, what I've just thought. But Negative interest rates or the crypto? 
Both. So okay. the combination. So yep. the negative interest rates plus plus freeing up normies to get into crypto. Um, if you want to avoid negative interest rates um, by holding by holding a stable currency, well, yeah. surely you would go into a stable coin. And there's no negative interest rate applied to a stable coin. Yeah. So if you rather than deposit your money into a bank, yeah, you could you could deposit in, into something say like Libra, although admittedly Libra's yeah. kind of fallen by the wayside. But Libra being spread across a ser- a bunch of assets, and um, you know cu- currencies and assets across the globe, they're, they're, it's far better protected from uh, you know the negative consequences of inflation or uh, negative interest. To hold it to some, in something like Libra that is spread across a bunch of assets rather than putting it in your bank. Yeah, yeah, you could. I think the argument could be easily made that putting it to Tether or some other stablecoin uh, could be something that some people do. Obviously, it probably won't happen in a widespread manner. But then again, if banks are offering it, I think that makes people a lot more, makes it seem a lot more legit, much more like yeah. uh, reasonable things to do with your money. As opposed to going to some dodgy exchange. So it could uh, legitimise crypto a little more in the eyes of the average German consumer. Next week, we'll get the prince to discuss negative interest rates so we can get a properly informed opinion on it. Here's a little nugget for you that we sort of touched on a little bit earlier in this discussion, uh, which led to me having a little bit of a Google, and I'm going to throw some figures at you. Please do. Okay. Um, The peak of personal debt in 2008 i.e. just before the financial crisis, was $12.68 trillion yeah. in the US. Um, in 2018, okay, uh, personal debt in the US in the first quarter was at $12.73 trillion. Yeah, but so I don't think personal debt was necessarily the driver behind 2008, is that the banks had huge exposure to things they didn't yeah. understand. Yeah, yeah. And, a, and a, based on a market that was growing aggressively, and if it didn't yeah. continue to grow, yeah. Um, to give you some context to that figure, uh, apparently mortgages make up a lot less of that figure nowadays, and the people are lumbered with massive student and auto debt. Yeah, people. A lot of people have been memeing about how car loans is going to be the next giant bubble that crashes the U.S. economy. Not, uh, who knows whether that's true or not, but that is, that's something that people have been talking about for the last couple of years. I was discussing with an accountant whether the WeWork saga might actually be the instigator for the next financial crisis at the weekend. Yeah, They own a lot of property in large cities. If they suddenly have to dump all their bags, property prices... Yeah, it could be the first domino. Yeah. Yeah, but also the companies the employment within them also right what have we got next we got one more news article that I shouted out in the beginning as the South African Central Bank say they do not want anybody sending their precious precious rands out the country and they are going to put checks in place to stop people doing that using cryptocurrency so this is similar to what's happened in China recently and Argentina and Venezuela, all these places that don't want uh, money, their currency to be moved out. Like, they don't want 
value to be moved away from their currency. Is that correct? That is correct, yeah. So at the moment, you are limited to sending a total of 11 million rand out of the country. So that's you're allowed to send 1 million rand without declaring it. How much? Okay. Is, how many uh, rand to a, a pound or a so USD? So one million rand is around sixty-eight thousand dollars. Wow. Okay. Okay. So you, so can, you can send, send out sixty-eight. You rockets. can send out sixty-eight rockets free. Well, not free. Not so free of charge, but without declaring it. And then the next ten million, you have to get a special application from the South African Revenue Service. Which I'm assuming Bitcoin Blomting is applying for daily. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, what's to stop me from paying cash for a load of Bitcoin in South Africa? And sending that out. Exactly. That's what people have been doing, apparently. Right. Okay. Um, which is what they want to stop happening. Okay. And is the number one use case globally for crypto, I think. Number one true utility of crypto that we've seen in the last year or two has been that. Getting money out of... Uh, countries and economies that don't want you to, basically. Second second to speculation. Yeah, the number one actual use aside from <laughs> speculation, yeah. Okay. And cheese wizards. <laughs> Any more thoughts on yeah, this? That's basically it. Okay, nice yeah. one. So another and example of it. So how are they yeah. enforcing it? Do we know how they're enforcing it? Are they trying to shut down exchanges? Yeah, have they got um, have they got miners? So that- first, so they basically started at the root of local banks, I believe, to uh, stop transactions to yes. people who sell crypto. Correct. Yes. Got you. Mm-hmm. So the classic, you can't stop Bitcoin. Monero's on a blockchain is once again blown the fuck out. If your bank won't let you send the money, what are you gonna do? Yep. And the bank stopped serving exchanges as well as locking up individuals for trading a little bit of crypto. Okay. South Africa make the best gold bullion that people all over the globe have been trying to get out of their own what currency is, with. What is that South African thing called that everyone fucking adores? Uh, I can't think off the top of my head. It's a, currency, a Krugerrand. That's it, a Krugerrand. Yeah, so criminals and general big shots have been buying Krugerrands to get out of whatever currency they've got uh, for like... 80 years or something so it's pretty funny that South Africa are now trying to clamp down on it I tell you what I tell you what brother I would love to buy a couple of Krugerrands if anybody could hook me up hit me up on at CryptoKenKen on Twitter <laughs> you can buy them very easily you know Ken well I, I'd like a little personal touch you know <laughs> what yeah. the hell um, right, are we going to round this up We've got another. We've got two great articles. Yeah, still two great pieces to go. What? We've got the Poloniex Tron Justin Sun Love Triangle. That's that what I want to run through. To. I've been hungry to run through this one. Yeah, sliding away from that complete dog shit we've just discussed, sort of. Uh, slipping on over to Mr. Crypto Book is going to fill us in on some kind of love triangle going on with Poloniex Justin Sun and I don't know Goldman Sachs. Who's the other point of the triangle? Just let me run you through the timeline we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Or the, maybe the last month. So Poloniex. Owned by Goldman Sachs. Owned by Circle, which was owned by Goldman Sachs to a large degree. They have got a load of investment from a group of Asian investors. I think uh, Circle might have actually sold their share 
or some or somewhat less involved. And now this group of Asian investors put a load of money into Poloniex, bought a whole bunch of ownership of Poloniex. People say Justin Sun was in this group or organised this group, something like that. Justin Sun says, I am not. I He said on his Twitter, I am not buying anything. Poloniex then lists Tron. They then recently have bought a decentralised exchange based on Tron. Yesterday, I believe, the Twitter account, the Poloniex Exchange Twitter account, tweeted, buy TRX. It was up for 28 minutes. Everyone went mentally, deleted it. And then, Justin Sun confirms that he was actually part of that group that owns Poloniex. So, Justin Sun owns a big chunk of Poloniex now. Talked about his strategy with regard to it. Obviously, they're not going to shill Tron. Tron's a great decentralized cryptocurrency. This is completely separate to it. But he's saying that Poloniex are looking to move into the Asian markets. Uh, He talks a lot about expanding Poloniex, but definitely not shilling Tron. Uh, The absolute stake, Ken. The absolute state of Justin Sun and anybody who still thinks that buying his scammy Ponzi scheme is still a good idea. He is a cheeky fucker, isn't he? Mm, he is. He, d- he actually has quite nice hair, though. <laughs> he cannot hold a candle to the true hair in crypto, though, and that's crypto, Ken. How would Myself. you How would you rate his hair out of 10 and your hair out of 10? Um, mine would be a stone cold 10. Yeah. That's, a solid, is... solid 10. Yeah. Uh, I would give him an 8, though. He's got the thickness that a lot of Asians have. Okay. Yeah, they are they are blessed you... with thick hair. So how do you compare him to the average Asian man? Um, the average Chinese man, do you think? Okay. So I'm looking at a picture of him and... I don't think his hair's that good. No, it's not. So, and the quiff, what it does, is, I think he goes too... He's gone too far up. Let me the, remind myself of the, his locks. On the sides of the quiff. So it yeah. looks like his quiff is kind of overhanging the shaved sides. Yeah, I know. I think he looks different in some pictures, but he looks a lot like a lesbian to me. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. He actually he does. Yeah, I think I'm not sure he's gone for the best hair for his his look. You know, actually, yeah, I I don't know why, but in my mind's eye, I have a rose tinted idea of his hair. Yeah, I'm dropping his rating from an eight down to a four. Whoa! Well, like, look at it. You can see like there's a. Yeah. He shaved the sides too high. Mm, so he's, the, he's got a poor quality barber. Can we talk about Cheese Wizards yet, Ken? Please, please move us on to Cheese Wizards, big guy. I was watching a video of it earlier, and it looks pretty... It just looks like a mental version of Rock, Paper, Scissors. So I haven't watched any videos of it. What I know is that Cheese Wizards is the world's first blockchain battle royale with cheese. I don't understand how it can be a battle royale, <laughs> though, because it seemed to be a 2D... Uh, Rock, paper, scissors game, essentially. It seems like With Pokemon, Wizards. as far as I can gather. Mm, I'm going to need to watch some live gameplay, I think. So it's described by Dapper Labs, who were the people who brought us Crypto Kitties, by the way, as the world's first blockchain battle royale with cheese. In the world of cheese wizards, magic is power, power is ether, and being the big cheese is everything. Now, <laughs> if that is not cheese. a two-line pitch, I don't know what is. Uh, I don't really know what any of that means, but 6,000 people played the tournament this month or last month or something, 
and some fella called Black Kettle. Hold tight, Crypto Block Dan. Hold tight, Crypto Block Dan. I hope it's him. Uh, Black Kettle, which is obviously spelt in elite language with like sevens instead of Ts or whatever. He won the whole thing with Wizard4845. Uh, got that wizard to be the big cheese. He got 700 ETH, which is worth around 100,000 US dollars from playing uh, cheese wizards. Hold tight, him, I guess. And are we all going to be professional cheese wizards from now on? I am so into the idea of being a professional cheese wizard. So they describe it as something like Pokemon. Which, whatever. But the fact that you can win a hundred grand in a games tournament, I mean, A, called Cheese Wizards, and B, on Ethereum, seems pretty mental to me. It looks a lot like Crypto Kitties from the video you're playing now, Ken. I think they're at a massive disadvantage calling it Cheese Wizards. What? Well, meant, what? You can get a bundle of six well, items. Okay. Tell me more, P-Money. Um, okay, I can go into work and be like, Admittedly, I haven't done this. I can go into work and be like, I was playing Fortnite last yeah. night. Or I can go, I was playing Call of Duty last night. Yeah. Dawn, Dawn of Man. Or Dawn it of does Man. sound like you're doing something a bit dirty. <laughs> yeah. I can't go into work and say, I was playing Cheese Wizards last night. Because uh, it sounds like a food fetish version of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and that is not that is not something that I can go into work and talk about. You're absolutely right. Uh, th- to their, <laughs> their defence, maybe... They're saying that it's an experiment. They're not claiming it's a full game. It's not a finished product. They're experimenting with this whole genre. But you're right. It seems like a fucking mental thing to say. Uh, They do give some reason around it. If you give me one second, I'll tell you why they've gone for it. I read it, but I remember the reason being shit. So I immediately dismissed. (sighs) Yeah, I can't find where they call them cheese wizards, but it it was shit reasoning. But yeah, they've had a $100,000 tourney already. Well, 100000 for first. I don't know if anyone else won. But yeah, hold tight, Black Kettle. And maybe that will be the new eSport, Cheese Wizards. Are you going to play, Ken? Uh, I kind of do want to buy a Cheese Wizard. Uh, hang on, attention, this Cheese Wizard is unpasteurised by your own risk. <laughs> <laughs> More detail on unpasteurised wizards can be found here. Uh, I'm interested to hear what a fucking unpasteurized <laughs> there cheese is wizard is. There's clearly depth to the game. Disclosure, forking cheese wizard smart contracts, all funds and wizards are secure. <laughs> this, this meme is, is too much. Yeah. Some players will get an extra wizard in the tournament contract we're calling cheese wizards unpasteurized. Oh, Christ. Is that like God's Unchained? <laughs> There was a bug in the smart contract, basically, and if you haven't moved a wizard to the new smart contract, it's unpasteurized. What <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> and get... Oh, God. This is the thing. Like, a bunch of nerds <laughs> sat around fucking high as fuck. Yeah, clearly. And they're like, you know what would be a great idea? Like, wizards and cheese. I do like, I do like, <laughs> I do like the animated leaking udders oh, on the summoning page. Shall we say goodbye? Thank, thanks for joining us big guys turns out the prince is somewhat of a linchpin here <laughs> especially when all of the week has been like hardcore finance yeah chat. finance and politics <laughs> yeah this was a week designed for the prince but unfortunately he is at home in his sick bed you can follow him at hrh geordie 
P. That's at H R H G E O R D I E P. He thanks. says many thanks, probably. <laughs> Mr. Bitcoin Buble. Uh, good night, Ken. You can find me on Twitter at Bitcoin underscore Buble. Dr. P. Money. It's been a pleasure. You can catch me on Twitter at Dr. P. Money. Mr. Beak. Adios, amigos. That was me, Crypto Beak, at Crypto underscore Beak. I've been your host, Crypto Ken Can. Follow me on Twitter at Crypto Ken Can. You can also <laughs> follow the podcast as a whole at Crypto Weekly Pod on Twitter. Listen here, listener. You're welcome. See you next week. <laughs>